This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We're starting a series for the next three weeks or so, just as we close out the year on called Finish Strong. We've just come out of the relationship series, and I think those of you that were in church last week, don't you think that Pastor Milton did a fantastic job in ministering? So grateful for him. He's maturing, and uh, we're so, so proud of him. But, you know, we're heading towards the end of the year. And today, I want to, you know, the title of the message today is is Moving Forward. But I want to focus on a principle that affects us all, which we live with on a day-to-day basis. And that is the principle of leaving and entering. Dr. Ed Cole, in his book, Strong Men in Tough Times, says this. He says, life is lived on levels arrived at in stages. What that simply means, let me give you an example. Doctors determine what stage a baby is at in their development by the different levels that they're able to navigate at each stage. Or, as we're all aware, in our primary education system, there are seven levels one needs to go through to graduate into our secondary stage of education, and there are six levels, four for some, six for others, levels that one needs to go through. And tertiary education, it may differ, maybe four years or four levels or six, if it's a master's or a doctorate, it may be longer. But for you to graduate to the next stage of your life, you have to go through the levels that are involved in that stage. Without successfully navigating those levels, you cannot move to the next stage. So, there's another principle that Pastor Tom teaches us, and that principle is you set your level where you quit. Or, put in another way, where you quit sets your level. Every stage in life has got levels of growth. These are levels that determine maturity. Maturity does not come by age, but by, comes by the acceptance of responsibility. So, how do you and I not quit when the going gets tough? Whenever we quit, we give an indication of what it takes for us to stop progressing. So, let me give you an illustration of what probably happens when we quit. Because the devil is the enemy of progress, the enemy, uh, uh, the devil is our enemy and does not want you and I to progress. And because he has no insight into our future, outside of knowing that the word of God says, God says of you and I, I know that the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. All he knows is God has good plans for you and I. So, when we quit, we give hell a clear indication of what it takes to stop you progressing in God's good plan. 
So, whenever hell begins to see you progress or see you head towards promotion or see you head towards God's goodness, alarm bells go off in hell and say, hey, we know what it takes to stop this guy. Put the plan in motion to stop him. So I want you to picture this. This is not a do-your-own-research bell, but this is a bell of what happens in hell. Whenever you're progressing in God's goodness, hell says, wait a minute. This guy has quit. The last time he was heading towards promotion at work and his boss came against him, he quit. So we know what it takes to stop him progressing in work. Give him a horrible boss. Demons come into play to stop Stephen progressing because he's given us the indication of what it will take for him to stop. So whatever level we quit at, we arm hell with alarm bells to stop our progress. This is true for anything that we face in life. And it's part of what Pastor Franz will address. You get into a crazy cycle of pain. And I've dealt with this as Pastor. You know, a guy will say, Pastor, whenever, whenever I'm about to hit a good deal, something happens. Something gets in the way. No. That something is, go back. There's a place you armed hell and you quit and you show them just what it takes, just what kind of pressure you need to come under to stop progressing. Pastor, I don't know. You know, whenever I sense or I meet, we get, I get into a relationship and... Seems like it's heading towards marriage. Something happens. A girl from the past comes. Well, you gave hell an indication that you're not able to resist temptation. So, temptation will come when progress is before you. So today I want to give us 10 points. And I'm going to run through these quickly. That will help us finish strong. That will help us keep moving forward. First, realize, if you could put that out, is that crisis is normal to life. It's not abnormal to have crisis. In fact, to progress and transition from one level to the next, to change, involves crisis. When a baby transitions from uh, sitting to crawling, they'll go through the crisis of bruising their stomach as they learn to crawl. When they transition from crawling to walking, they'll go through the crisis of falling. It's the same in life. Transition involves change. And change brings about the crisis of growing into the next thing. 
whenever we face transition, we will go through crisis. Crisis is normal in the process of growth. God's pattern is this. You, are not, you and I are not just escaping from something, but more importantly, and in God's eyes, he's bringing us an escape into something. That means he's taking us from a lower level to a higher level. The Bible says this, it says the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Most never get to the end of a matter and therefore do not progress because they begin and then they stop in transition when the pressure mounts. They do not push through. So they end up going backwards saying, Woo, the beginning was better than where we were right now. Or where we were was better than where we are right now. The children of Israel went through this. God was delivering them from bondage in Egypt and delivering them into his promise, which is the promised land. And in transition, when things got tough, they said Egypt was better. Egypt had better meat. Egypt had water. They somehow conveniently forgot about the oppression. You see, God's focus is always on the fulfillment of his word. The Bible says that God watches over his word to perform it. And he exalts his word even above his name. So when God makes us a promise, the most important thing in him, in his sight, is the promise he's made. That's why the end of that matter is better than its beginning. So when God made them a promise that I'm taking you into a land of covenant, a land I promised Abraham 400 years ago, the end of that matter was better than the bondage they were in. The end of that matter was better than the miracles of deliverance, that he, the 10 signs, plagues that he uh, showed himself strong through to soften Pharaoh's heart. The end of that matter is better than parting the Red Sea. The end of that matter is better than providing water from a rock in the desert. The end of that matter is better than quail. The end of that matter is better than manna. The end of that matter is better than all the miracles, signs, wonders that they saw in the beginning, that they saw in transition, because God's word is good. And his focus was getting them to his promise. So, not only does God focus on the end of the matter, but we need to have and understand that the most important thing is not where he's taking you from and I from. The most important thing is not him taking us from bondage, but the more important thing is that he's taking us into liberty. It's not, the most important thing is not that God is taking you out of sickness. The most important thing is that he's taking you into divine health. The most important thing is not that God is taking you out of poverty. The most important thing is that he's taking you into prosperity. That you may prosper and be in health. And, and, and that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. 
The most important thing with God is not that he's taking you out of bondage in Egypt, but he's taking you into his rest in his promise. Zimbabwe, the most important thing is not that we fought a liberation struggle and were liberated. No. Or that we were liberated by whatever liberation you call a liberation. The most important thing is what is God taking us into? Because if we keep focusing on where we've come from, we will live in history. We will live in, we fought a liberation. We will live in, we did A, B, C, and D and liberated. We will live in what we did and not what God is doing and what he will do. So, here's the principle. If we focus on where we are leaving and not where we are entering, we will go back to what's familiar. This is true for any process in life. It is true for marriage. If you do not focus on cleaving to your spouse, you'll go back to your parents. You focus on leaving your father and mother. If you do not focus on being interdependent, you'll go back to your independence. If you do not focus on leaving, being alone, sorry, if you, fo- if you don't focus on the covenant that God's creating in union, you'll go back to being alone. Let me give you an illustration. I need four people. Four guys. I need, we have very, a lot of beautiful women in this church. I need one of, two of them to come up. There's one, okay, let's have. So, I want you to see this picture here. I want us to think of this side over here as Egypt. I want you to think of this side over here as God's promise, okay? And then I want to paint a scenario. Ah, there's one fine lady, come So here's a young single man. I want you to stand over here. And just dream with me. Dream with me, okay? Say, that's God's promise of goodness. Yeah? That God's bringing for this young man. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. Great. So... This young man is over here. His promise is over there. God's taking him out of what he said. That I, 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 it is not good for a man to be alone. And he's taking him into something that is promised. Now, if this young man, I want you to know, for every promise and every vision from heaven, there will always be an attack from hell. Because... The devil and his agents are called anti-progress agents. Say to your neighbor, neighbor. The devil is an anti-progress agent. So the devil cannot progress. 
unless I allow him to. Okay, so this is an anti-progress agent. So, if this man over here is walking towards a promise that God's given him, but it's unfamiliar. He's walking, walking, but he keeps looking back on Egypt. Walking, 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 keeps looking back on Egypt. Walking, 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 keeps looking back on Egypt. And he begins, you know what? This is ridiculous. Where I was was even much better than this. So it's unnatural to walk this way. It may be better to do this. So it, and because the anti-progress agent has full view of Egypt, his job is to turn you towards Egypt where God is taking you from. So eventually, we, if we walk with the vision backwards on where we've come from, we will turn to what's comfortable. And what's comfortable gives the enemy much greater room to push you back. Because he has full view of where you are going. But if this same guy understood that, hey, this guy has no way of picking into my future. His back is towards my goodness. I, if I stay focused on what's ahead, God can give me a sneak preview of what's ahead. So when I encounter this guy, I can push. Come, 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 come back, come. Even though yeah, you're heading towards goodness. Even though this guy can resist me, I have full view of the enemy I'm dealing with. And I can resist his tactics because I'm front forward. I'm focused on what God's promised. He's at a disadvantage because he's moving backwards. So I can push and say, oh, thank God for the, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and pushed it back. It's the same thing for us all. We cannot progress looking backwards. We progress moving forward. That's why when they got to the Red Sea, when Moses and the children of Israel cried out to Moses and said, what are we going to do? When they had looked back and seen the enemy coming, God said, don't cry out to me. Tell them to move forward. As you move forward, you have a sneak preview of what God's promised. But if you're going to walk going backwards, the enemy has the history. I need another lady. I need another lady. Come here, my sister. Walk looking backwards. The enemy, go, go, go. Go, go towards your promise, looking backwards, looking backwards. The enemy has your history because it's happened already. And he knows just what it took for you to stop progressing towards a promise the last time. So the more you get resistance towards the promise you're going to, 
the more attractive what you've left becomes for you. So you say, ah, this is too hard. And the enemy says, no, we know the conditions that are perfect to make him stop progressing. So there comes Mary. Tweet, tweet. WhatsApp message. Boy, eh? Thank you. Give these guys a hand. Between where God is taking us and where he's taking us into is transition. Between leaving and entering is transition. In the transition, what is in your mind, heart, and spirit is, the most, is most important to you. Where you are not, where you are is not as important as who you are becoming. While God changes the where, because your transition state is not your permanent state. There's a promised state, which God says is the end of the matter, which is better than it's the beginning. But most of us get stuck in transition and make our transition state our permanent state. Zimbabwe, this is a transition state. It's not our permanent state. And just as we trust God will change our way, we must know that as he changes our way, he's changing our who. Because that's more important to him. The common denominator, if, if where was the, the important thing, when I leave Zimbabwe and go to London, the common thing is me. I take me to London. So God says, no, the, the, the where is not important. The Egypt transition or promise is not as important as the who. Because no matter where you are, what you bring is you. And if you is broken in Zimbabwe, you will be broken in transition, you will be broken in London. There's no way you'll be broken in Zimbabwe and miraculously be whole in, in London. So the children of Israel were fearful when they left Israel, when they left Egypt, and in transition did not become. So when they got to the promised land, guess what? They were fearful. And the enemy knew just what it took for them to go backwards. Because when they got to the sea, they turned backwards and revealed to him that, oh, were there no graves in, in Egypt? It were better that we died in Egypt. That'd be where we are. He gave them the blueprint. So they knew. I just need to give them a scary enough giant. They'll go back. Transition is therefore not the destination. It is a steady progression towards the destination. Why steady? Because it's not about the destination but who you're becoming so you may inherit, maintain, and enter into what God's promised. Transition, any place of transition is a place of becoming. Do not avoid it, become. Second thing you need to take note of, 
is admit that God is your source. That's what transition is for. It's for you to come to a place where you admit that God is your source. Recognize that if you commit to Christ and your life to Christ, he, not man, is in control of you. Submit and, 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 sub submit and commit yourself to him. The Bible says that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What shall man do to me? That was David crying this out. Zimbabwe, Celebration Church, I want you to know, the government is not our source. My employer is not my source. The children of Israel failed to transition into the promised land because they failed to go beyond Moses as their source. Think about that. Whenever they faced difficulty, they cried out to Moses. They complained against Moses. They, they never transitioned. In their season of transition, they never transitioned from the bondage of man to the liberty of God. So even at the point of their promise, they came back and said, let us change Moses. Let us change the one we look to, to take us in. Let us change the government to take us in. <laughs> Until you change your perspective that the government's not your source, you will wander in the wilderness for a very long time. Hebrews 3 says this. Listen to God's perspective. He says they could not enter into his rest. Leaving and cleaving was not about a destination, but about a state of being. He says they couldn't enter into him. They couldn't enter into his rest. Hebrews 3 verse 10 to 11 says this. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath and anger, they shall never enter my rest. God says the place he's promised you is place of rest. So we in verse 19 it says this, so, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. The journey towards what is promised is a journey to determine whose you are and whose you are determines ultimately who you are. God called it entering his rest. Transition tests whose you are and who you are. And it will be revealed, who you are will be revealed by what and who you believe. That determines who you are. So stop focusing only on what is promised. Because in God's eyes, that's not the most important thing. In God's eyes, it's not the thing promised, but the who will attain the promise. That's why they couldn't, he couldn't allow Abraham to transpose Isaac for Ishmael. He says, no, this one is not the one promised. 
The who was important. Just like it is with you. The who is important. Who you're becoming. Who you are is important. Not the things promised. And we need to come, even as a nation, as a church, we need to just stop taking our... We need to come to a place where we not only focus on Zimbabwe will be great, Zimbabwe will be the bread basket, Zimbabwe... Focus on who are you becoming? Who will maintain the bread basket? Who will keep the bread basket? That's what's important to God. God is not stupid that he would entrust once again to an unredeemed, un-un-un-un-un-un-man to his promises. He wants a redeemed man. He wants a man who will trust him. He wants a man who will believe him. He wants a man who, who, who says, my image, I am not my own. I was bought at a price. I have an owner. I have a master. I am a steward. I'm not my own man. So as long as as a nation, our most important thing is the destination. Oh, Zimbabwe will be great again. God's saying, no, 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 no. In the place of transition, focus on who you are becoming. Focus on who you are becoming in me. Focus on trusting me. Focus on being whole in me. Focus on believing my word. Focus on growing in me. Focus on taking your eye off man as your deliverer. Focus on putting your trust and your hope in me. I am your source. I am your alpha and your omega. I am your beginning and your end. I am the one that has good plans for you. I am. Focus on I am. And if you focus on I am, you will be like I am. The Bible says you take on the image of I am. The, your true identity that you had in the beginning, the place of transition is there to restore it back. So that when you come into the place of inheritance, when you come into the place of attainment, when you come into the place of fulfillment, you can maintain what God's given you. He says, don't you know that you are kings and priests? Kings and priests are not made overnight. They go through a process of becoming and imbibing and taking on their role. If it is true for natural circumstances, would it be not more true for spiritual circumstances? So your place of transition is to bring us to a point where we admit and acknowledge that God is our source. Whether the Zim dollar, Bala, RTGS, whatever, loses four, five, six, seven, eight times its value. I am not looking to the government. I am not looking, I'm not looking to a, a ED, RGM, NN, ONWIN, CNN, what, what, whatever other acronyms are out there. I am looking to Elohim, God most high, the owner of and possessor of heaven and earth, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the one that has my identity. Zimbabwe, until we are willing to swap our identity, which is meaningless right now, from, ooh, I'm Zimbabwe, ooh, we're the most educated, ooh, and we're willing to come into the identity that we are the adopted sons of the Most High, that we are no longer foreigners, but now we are called 
He says, until we're willing to come to that place. Ooh, we are joking. Because God is interested in who we're becoming. God is interested in true stewards. That will steward the things he's promised. Point number three. Don't panic. Don't panic. Don't panic. You need to ward off all stress and pressure that leads you to panic. Panic and productivity do not go together. They are complete opposites. You cannot panic and be productive. <laughs> panic is always counterproductive. The children of Israel, whenever they face crisis, wavered between two opinions, two religious beliefs. Will we trust God or will we trust Baal? Will we trust what's unseen or will we trust what's seen? It was a constant wavering. And the Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and will receive nothing from the Lord. In transition, God wants to move you and I to a place of resolute. To a place where we are fixed our eyes on him. Not on man, not on anything else. Where our opinion is not wavered where we do not live by preference or, or, or convenience, but we live by conviction. God is moving us in a place of transition to a place where we are not ruled by our emotions, but we're ruled by our convictions. It's emotional wavering that varies from one minute to the next, one hour to the next, and builds up tensions and anxieties and tightness in spirit that will hurt our ability to act wisely. In a spiritual sense, tightness and panic blind our eyes to the word of God. They blind our ears to what God has said. They blind our spirit to what God has promised. They reduce our faith, rob us of our prayer life, and slow receipt of God's answers. In Zimbabwe, we have mastered, and our nation has mastered keeping us in panic. Only you can make the decision, and I can make the decision not to panic. Because whatever makes you panic controls you. This is a control issue. If we can keep you panicking, we can control you. We create the panic, then we say, this is the solution. Then you say, ooh, Oh, thank God for, for fuel. Oh, thank God for oil. Really? We stop living by where fuel is available. Messages keep us in a state of panic. Oh, fuel will run out during the holidays. Oh, no, fuel will be there during the holidays. Oh, no, it will not be there. There, not there, there, not there, not. Who is your source? Man, as a way of oppressing, keeps other men in panic. 
It's called witchcraft. No one goes to a witch in their right state of mind. They go there in a state of panic. So when you panic, just know you're heading towards a witch. Panic takes us out of the kingdom. It takes us out of right thinking, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. David says this, I shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me. No shall any plague come near my dwelling place. Don't panic. Keep productive. Point number four. We need to move. Like I've said, point number four is this. Admit God's sovereignty. It is a control issue. The battle is for control. The Bible says as many as are led of the Spirit, those are the true sons of God. And it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. Both attitudes require, the attitude of being led and being ordered require us to be yielded to God's sovereignty. The degree to which we fight or resist being led or ordered is the degree to which we will be frustrated and kept out of peace. Joseph, you all know the story, was sold into slavery. God shows him a dream. And his brothers sell him into slavery because they're jealous of him. Not only does he go into slavery, he's sold to Potiphar's house. Potiphar falsely accused him. He ends up in prison. He serves his time in prison, helps a guy in prison. The guy forgets him. Woo, what a story. Later, because of his integrity, Joseph refused to sleep with Potiphar. Faced with these kind of things, it is understandable that anger, opposition, betrayal, and injustice would overwhelm Joseph. He had every reason, just like you and I may have, every reason to give up on God because of unmet expectations. And he could have concluded that God was against him. Yet even in these times of crisis and confusion, Joseph remained faithful to the Lord. He recognized God's sovereign power and submitted his life to him and faithful service. God's sovereignty in Joseph's life led Joseph to enter into what he had been promised and shown in his dream. That is, he kept moving forward. He kept trusting God. He admitted that man, not God was the author of his destiny, not man, not circumstances. And because he made God sovereign, God moved him into sovereignty. We have a thing oh, of demanding our sovereignty in this country. Who are you demanding it from? How can we demand sovereignty outside of the one who is sovereign? Zimbabwe will not uh, 
come into prosperity because we have sanctions or sanctions are not there or they're lifted or they're not lifted. Zimbabwe will come into its true prosperity when we align ourselves with the one who is sovereign. The author and the perfecter of our faith. It's the same for every one of us at our individual level. Point number five. Do not limit God. God is a creative God. You see, when you fail to yield control of your life to God, whatever you remain in control of is your area of limitation of what God can do. The children of Israel limited God, and that was one of their problems. They limited him to his, their human expectations and what they experienced. God is not limited unless we limit him. God puts no limit on faith. Faith puts no limit on God. We do not have to, we do not have the supernatural at work in us because we have not created room for the supernatural to work. Not allowed God liberty to work. Whatever we remain in control of, we excuse God from intervening. Point number six, humble yourself to obey God. Some people cannot admit that they're wrong and others cannot stand to be wronged. Both have difficulties. Both these people have difficulties serving God. When we are wronged, we must admit that we are wrong. And when we are wronged, there are times when we must fight that which has wronged us, and there are other times that we must submit to it. Knowing when to fight and when not to fight, or when to submit, is key to winning or losing. The Bible is clear that humbling precedes blessing. If we do not humble ourselves, the Bible says we will be humbled. He that humbles himself will be exalted, but he who exalts himself will be humbled. If we ask for blessing, but are not, excuse me, are not willing to humble ourselves, then God will humble us. To ask to be blessed is to put, your state, to put oneself in a state of humbleness. And if you don't, you will be humbled. Jesus left the glory of his Father in heaven to enter earth and become most humble with all his power. He made himself of no reputation and took the form of man. He left earth. He entered in humility. He left earth in that state of humility by humbling himself, by going to the cross while he was sinless to die for sins for you and I, to hang as a curse on a cross. He was obedient to God even unto death. And the Bible says 
because of his humility, because of his reverent obedience to God, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He entered into glory. It's the same thing for you and I. He gave us a pattern. God is looking for humble men and women that he can use, that are humble to obey him and to fulfill his purposes here on earth. But pastor, what if I'm wronged? What if my boss is wicked and they're wrong? They, they are perpetrating evil against me at work. What if my spouse is blatantly in the wrong and treating me badly? Well, point number seven. Trust God to vindicate you. If dealt with unjustly at the time of leaving, don't return evil for evil. When persecuted, don't seek to retaliate. Rather, the Bible says, pray for those who despitefully use you and mistreat you. And trust God to vindicate you. Because the way you leave is the way you enter. If you leave bitter, you'll enter bitter. Angry, you'll enter angry. Fearful, you enter fearful. And most of us do not leave unjust situations well. Do not leave with God vindicating us. And we perpetuate a cycle of pain because we enter in that same state. In the same way, be sure that when you are leaving something, that you are not the one perpetrating hurt for someone else. Because you may ruin your own chances for success because of your own foolishness. Point number eight is communicate. Don't stop communicating. This is one of the keys to moving forward. One of the keys to finishing strong. And communication is two-way. Don't stop communicating with God and don't stop communicating with your community, with your church, with your brethren. Because isolation is not of God. Bible says he who isolates himself seeks his own and rebels against all sound counsel. Communication, yes, is praying and being intimate and spending time with God. But more importantly, communication is listening to God. Don't just go into the prayer closet to shout at God for an hour. Blah, 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 blah. One word from God is better than a thousand tongues. One word from God can change your life. So yes, communication is you talking, but it's also him talking and you listening. And don't be afraid to tell God exactly how we feel because he knows anyway. If you're angry, Lord, I'm angry. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, Lord. He's the one you take it to. But be prepared to listen to what he says in response to that. Because therein is the deliverance. Faith is believing something 
that you cannot see will happen. Fear is believing something you cannot see will happen. <laughs> Faith attracts the positive. Fear attracts the negative. The children of Israel were fearful when they left Israel, when they left Egypt. They were fearful because they didn't become in transition. They were fearful when they entered. So, what do you do in transition? Point number nine is you learn to act on principle. Transition, time build, transition times build character. There are times to move you out of chaos into God's order. There are times where you learn to resist temptation, to resist following the crowd, to resist panic, to overcome pressure. So how are you to act? You're not supposed to act by panic, pressure, or following everyone else. Transition times are to teach us to act based on principle, based on the word of God. And when we do this, the Bible says that we learn to obey him and are blessed. We can enjoy blessing. Final point as we wrap up. Is forgive. Many things will hurt us in transition. Many people will let us down in transition. Many will betray us in transition. It is not unique to you. When Jesus left heaven and transitioned through earth back to heaven, he faced the same thing. Faced disappointed faced betrayal, faced people wanting to stone him, faced lashing, faced mocking. You and I will face these things. And yet when he hung on the cross to the very perpetrators that nailed him there, his last words were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because you cannot leave with unforgiveness in your heart and expect to transition into glory. Why? Because unforgiveness closes. Forgiveness opens. By Jesus' forgiveness, he opened the door for us to have relationship with God. So when you forgive, when you and I forgive, we open the door for God's goodness. Bible says in John, whosoever sins, it says receive the Holy Spirit. Whosoever sins, you retain, are retained. Whosoever sins you remit or release, are released. That means whatever unforgiveness you harbor, you keep. Whatever forgiveness you release is released, including yourself. So as we head towards the finishing of another year, as we head towards 2018 has been a tough year. Let's not leave one era or one season with 
bound up in unforgiveness. Let's seek the release of God. Let's go through those 10 things and assess where we are over the next three weeks and say, God, I choose to enter strong. I choose to leave strong and enter strong. And leaving strong and entering strong is not by, what are those things? Resolutions, New Year's resolutions. It's not by that. I've just given you the pattern to leaving strong and entering strong. It starts with you. It starts with God. Will you do a work in me? Oh, God, my eyes on you. Oh, forgive me for where I've trusted in chariots. I've trusted in horses. I choose to trust in the Lord God, maker of heaven and earth. Oh, Lord, forgive me for where I've quit. I choose to come back and having done all to stand, stand, therefore, to arm myself with the armor of God. Lord, I choose over every situation in my life to declare that you are sovereign. There is no other God that I'll bow down to but you. I choose to see you as my source. I choose to add my amen to all your yeses, to all your promises. I choose to believe your report and not the reports of man. I choose to immerse myself in your word, in, in fellowship and in worship. I choose because it's about becoming what God's called us to become so we can inherit what he's called us to attain. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.